You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching, OuterloopCoaching.com. I'm so excited to be back with you this week. I'm talking to you about the difference between the producer, the engineer, and the mixer, and why you need to know. Now, real quick, if you're watching this on YouTube at Outer Loop Records channel, maybe even the coaching playlist on the Outer Loop Records channel, be sure to subscribe to the Managemental Podcast where you can hear this every week. And if you're listening to this on the Managemental Podcast, of course, subscribe, like, and comment over on YouTube. Let's dive in. The producer, the engineer, and the mixer, what's the difference? Difference is huge. A producer has to do everything. They have to be responsible for everything from the song and the way the song is written all the way through to the final sound of the recording. They're so involved in your song that their advice should be a part of those songs when you're playing them all year, five years, 10 years after the song's been recorded. Great producers will help you with key changes and things that you can do to make the song more interesting. They'll listen to the demos beforehand, give you a ton of advice before you step into the studio. They can help you with what notes get played and when, by whom, and with what. They also demand great performances while you're there in the studio. They're the one who bosses you around, bosses the engineer around, bosses the mixer around to make sure that the whole thing sounds great. Now, what does the engineer do? The engineer's job is to capture the performances in the studio. They'll, they're responsible for mic placement, volume levels, interpreting the wishes of the producer and possibly you. They're the ones who are going to make sure that the sound is captured in such a way that the mixer and the producer can make those sounds sound fantastic when your recording comes out. So what does the mixer do? The mixer will blend all of those captured sounds together, usually at the direction of the producer. Now, sometimes they're gonna go in the studio with somebody who calls themselves a producer and all they are is an engineer. They expect you to know the best way to make your songs. And I'll tell you what, a lot of musicians are very, very happy to be the ones bossing their own music around. That can be a mistake for inexperienced musicians who don't yet have extremely successful careers. Try to work with producers who will take responsibility for the songs that they have stuck their name onto. So work with the best. And also I should add, some producers are really great engineers. Some producers are really great mixers. I'm not even going to talk about the mastering engineer. We'll talk about that at a future time, but that's an important role as well, but usually not somebody that you're going to interface with in the studio. So those are the differences between the producer, the engineer, and the mixer. Do me a favor, would you? Go to YouTube. As you're watching this on YouTube, could you comment down below? Let me know. Is this too basic, too advanced, or just right? I'd like to know so that future videos and future elements that we're putting in the managemental podcast here from Outer Loop Coaching, outerloopcoaching.com will be just right for what you're looking for. 
Be sure to subscribe. Subscribe at OuterLoopCoaching.com. We've got emails and, and great information. Sometimes it's a lot more advanced and interesting, and you, it might be just right for you when this is not exactly. It may also be more basic if you're finding this more challenging. There's a lot more content coming to you each and every week there, and download Mike Mowry's free ebook, The Music Management Primer. Thank you very much once again. Paul from Outer Loop Coaching, I greatly, greatly appreciate you coming in and joining me this week. I'll see you next. Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What's happening, Blasco? 105, dude. I dig this. Yeah. Sounds, like a, sounds like a freeway in LA or something. <laughs> in the last episode, we got into part one of our three-part series of industry advice from our peers. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we take on part two. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Hell yeah. We're so fortunate to, you know, to have so many awesome people, you know, that are that are kind of trying to contribute and give back to, you know, this business. I know, you know, we know so many of these people individually and it's awesome because they are actually passionate about trying to empower artists to take matters into their own hands because they've either been artists themselves or they've worked with artists over the years and they know how challenging that can be. So if you're listening, give yourself a little pat on the back. You're doing yourself a favor. Um, you know, share share this with your friends and, you know, give shout outs to the individuals that, that were in either the previous episode, number 104, or in this episode. Um, I think they'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Um, number one is uh, contributed by Chris Robley from the DIY Musician Podcast. And um, uh, much like our podcast, it's um, it's very similar in nature. Uh, the, the DIY Musician Podcast, I believe, is, is hosted and sponsored by uh, CD Baby. Um, but Chris and his co-host do an excellent job. So um, if you get a chance and you're craving more info like from this show, then I, I highly recommend it. Anyway. Yeah, let, I'll, I'll comment real quick. It is CD Baby and those guys are great. And the nice thing is like they're in bands. Not only do they work for, you know, one of these kind of more independent distributors, but they're in bands themselves and they, just like us, they talk about their own experiences and I love listening to that podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, do yourself a favor and, uh, and, and do so. Yep, it's really good. Um, anyway, number one, pay for social media ads and boosts without bitterness. 2019 will be the year your average independent musician starts budgeting for online advertising without feeling nauseous or bitter as fuck. 
we're getting used to the idea that reach requires money, especially the highly targeted reach enabled by big social platforms. So you can count on organic viral engagement and be disappointed 990 times out of a thousand. You can reluctantly pay to boost a post, feel cheated, and walk away from your fans on a particular platform. Or you can embrace the fact that social ad platforms provide you with tools worth paying for. Dude, I love this. I've been saying this for as long as the algorithm started to change and you know, we had to start paying for things. I get it. You know, it's the, it's the biggest freaking you know, uh, scam in the biz. Give us all something for free and it's too good to be true. And then come in and start charging us. But why on earth are people bitter about that? That's a business model. And that is what, you know, I expected from the get go. And look, it was great while it lasted for free. But now we've got to expect to to pay for this, just as we once had to pay for you know full page advertisements in magazines. That said, the kicker here, and, and what's great for all of you, those of you that are listening, is you don't have to just blindly spend your money. There's so many tools out there that'll help you, you know, figure out ways to A/B test what you're doing, and then double down on the stuff that's working versus what isn't working. So. I mean, dude, not only do I love their podcast, but I, this is a perfect way to start it off for me. Absolutely. And, and in the last episode, we talked a little bit about um, putting aside some of your money uh, or putting aside some of your budget, you know, upwards of 30 to 60% of your budget for marketing and, you know, boosting your post and these types of advertising is, is part of that. So this kind of you know, piggybacks off of that concept of like, look, man, you, you have to start thinking about advertising and marketing as part of your budget, not just making music and gas money to get to the gigs. Um, so yeah, this is great. And, and it's part of the reality. Look, I mean, there's really no reason to be bitter. I mean, you can be, but, um, you know, who really cares? You're not Mark Zuckerberg, right? Like you didn't create Facebook. You didn't create the rules. Those are really, his fans, you, you, you can't be so entitled that you, you think that you're deserving of something that you didn't create. The reality is he created a platform for fans to exist on, but he owns them, not you. So if he's going to charge you admission to get to them, that's, you know, that, that's the problem that's only solved by, if you don't like it, create your own platform. Otherwise, you got to play by the rules. And or the, I suppose the balance is, Go on and find ways to hack the algorithms and try and reach as many of your followers as possible organically before you start having to write a check to, you know, reach more of your followers. You know, there, there are other ways around spending money, um, but, you know, you got to put in the work. And, you know, probably the best case scenario is learn how to hack the algorithm and then throw a few bucks at the situation for marketing and advertising to really kind of boost your visibility all the way around. That's my suggestion. Yeah, I, dude, and I love that take on it. I mean, I wasn't saying like, cool, let's blindly just you know go in and, and, and put money at this. I think it's beautiful the way that you said it. It's like, we all know with anything, there is a hack, right? Mm -hmm. You and I have spent most of our lives having to figure out how to maximize the hack worthiness of things because- we're on a budget all the time. You know, we're trying to swim in the freaking 
big old ocean, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got our little floaties on mm-hmm. because of the the genres or, you know, the limitations that we have. That said, you know, we have figured out ways and all of you out there can and should should spend your time doing that. Not only does it allow you to kind of see the holes, but it gives you a greater understanding of how it all works. I hadn't thought of it this way, Blasco, but you and I have probably had success, more success than we would have if we just played by the rules. It's like in the hacking, every step of the way, it's given us that extra insight to allow us to see things in a different way. No doubt. Uh, Number two is contributed by Ryan Kyrilla from Break the Business. And it is called Embrace Live Streaming. Embrace Live Streaming platforms like Twitch and Facebook Live are becoming very important platforms for musicians. Live streaming presents an exciting opportunity for artists to not only present their art, but also cultivate deeper relationships and have genuine interaction with their fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody hasn't em- embraced live streaming. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know where Break the Business focuses, but in our genres, I think we've absolutely seen, you know, artists doing this for quite some time. And again, that's sort of one of those first hacks. You know, as the algorithm slowed down on certain platforms, it was you could then go live. And, you know, again, going back to the last episode where, um, you know, they were talking about crafting your story. Make sure that when you're doing the live streaming, it's it's something that's actually compelling and interesting. If you're just going to go up and and have really nothing of value to add, you know, I would encourage you to to do it less frequently and and actually focus on something when you have something that you're really confident in that you can convey to not only your fans but the people that you're hoping to reach. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and uh, in addition to that, um, you know, don't just go hit the live button because you can and then you're sitting there and you're like picking your nose and you're just looking at it and then people are like in there, but then they're like bored and they like tag out or whatever. It's like maybe it's something more planned, like advertise it, right? At 5 p.m. on this day, we're going to do a, a live Q&A. So make sure to come back here and we'll hit the live button and we'll all be in there and we'll take your questions. Or, you know, today at two o'clock, um, we'll be live from the studio, right? And then maybe help us write a song or, or, or whatever. But it's like have a purpose for the reason why you go live and advertise it so that, you know, people are there to show up and, and, they're, and that they're there for a specific purpose. That would be my um, two cents on the live stream. Um, Number three is contributed by Melissa Garcia from Collective Entertainment. Create or get creative on socials. Don't be afraid to get creative with how you connect with your fans. The vast majority of artists out there are all communicating with their fans the same way. Instead, create unique experiences to draw your fans in and find ways to get to know them. 
This can be in the form of dinner gatherings in a city you're touring in. Create conversation by harnessing social media communication tools, starting a fan group on Facebook to communicate with your fans directly, as opposed to depending on Facebook's algorithm. Yeah. I mean, I think this is sort of, I mean, I love how she kind of gets specific here, but this is something that, you know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, outside of socials. It's just, how do you tell the story of what you're doing, you know, uh, from a different angle? And so much of that is what are your outside interests? You know, what is it that makes you, you, you know, for instance, one of the artists I manage is huge into horror and, you know, we've ridden a big wave on him embracing and talking about his love for the genre. And it's really, you know, um, you know, come, come to fruition to allow many are many people who, you know, weren't paying attention to the band before to really dive in. Of course, it helps. It wrote a great record, but it, it's I think it's just doing some of those outside things and really talking about it and sharing that kind of thing is is ways to to focus on a different piece of the content. And then, yeah, how is it that you present it on the socials? What can you do differently than all of the other people that are out there who are doing it? Here's a good example of a, of a hack. Um, like she suggests, start a Facebook group because in a Facebook group, you can communicate directly to everyone signed up to that group and everyone gets notifications and it's a way to where the algorithm is non-existent in that format. So that's one very good example of a way to kind of build a community and engage them and communicate with them. So yeah, love that. Um, number four is contributed by Rick Barker from Rick Barker Music. Meet your fans where they want to meet you. One of the biggest mistakes I see artists make is that they make it hard for fans to find them. Discovery happens in so many ways today. Social shares, playlists, word of mouth. It is what happens next that determines whether or not they truly discover who you really are. Meet them where they are at, not where you want them. What I mean by that is make sure you have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You don't have to be crazy active on all four, but you at least better have something recent. They will use their social media platform of choice, not yours. Too long, didn't read. Your fans are lazy unless they are. I mean, and look, it's not even that they're lazy. It's just we're all different. All of our creatures, you know, we're all creatures of habit and my habits are different than your habits, Blasco, Mm -hmm. just as so many of us out there. I mean, there's a big overlap, of course, but like, yeah, people are busy. We're getting, you know, information thrown at us in a million different platforms all day long. If there's one that I like for whatever reason, I like the look and the feel and all of that, you need to be able to reach me there. You know, until your fan base is, you know, the is really developed and and you can flip that switch, which is they're going to come to you where you are, you know, which which is very, very, very rare. You've got to be willing to get out there and meet the fans where it is they're consuming stuff. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's like, look, uh, you know, you can't expect your fans to come to you. Where where do your fans hang out? Um, you know, by and large, you've probably met them in the place where you spend the most time, but maybe that's not always the case. Either way, you know, pick like he says, you gotta you, you gotta plant a flagpole 
and all the the, the main you know, main sources of, of social media. Um, you don't have to post as much on YouTube as you post on Instagram, for instance, right? Because they're completely different platforms that have very different types of access and the the value of the content are very different. However, um, you still gotta you still gotta be there, like because you know, just me, like I I look at stuff like, you know, like for instance, like, you know, we brought up Finn, right? Like I subscribe to his show on YouTube, but I don't spend as much time on YouTube as I do on Instagram. Fortunately, he's also on Instagram. He'll post, oh, I got a new video up. Great. And then I'll go over to YouTube and watch it, right? So it, it all kind of works into one nice cohesive unit, but you have to be active and you have to be acknowledging them. And the good thing is too, is that you can you can find out like, hey, where else do you guys hang out? Like, I want to hang out there, you know? Like, I, I want to I make sure that you are, we are where you guys are. So, but yeah, there's nothing more important than being where your fans are because how else you get to grow a fan base. Yeah. And that's a carryover. Finn McKenty is the punk rock MBA, which we mentioned in the last episode. And he does a great job. Not only is Blasco talking about how he sees him on YouTube, but if you go and watch his videos, which, you know, we'll link in the show notes, he does a great job of in his YouTube videos talking about, Hey, go follow us on Instagram. There's going to be different things there. Go follow us on these other social platforms. So not only is it are his videos fun to watch and very informative, but you can learn, you know, you can learn while watching them based on what it is he's telling you to do. Yep. Final number five for today's episode is contributed by Marcio Novelli from Bridge the Atlantic. Don't quit your day job. Don't quit your day job, but don't give up on your dreams either. The old adage that it takes money to make money is almost always true, even in the music business. And it's just that, a business. As artists, we don't want to admit that, but it's true. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. In fact, a more empowering term is to call ourselves music entrepreneurs. We all want to support ourselves doing what we love, but until we have the financial support of a label, and sometimes even when we do, the reality is that we need to pay to record, release, and market our music, not to mention all costs associated with touring, online presence, and merchandising, to name just a few. So there is no shame in having a day job that provides consistent income in order to pursue our dreams. Just make sure to never wake up. <laughs> and this is awesome as well. And I love how he, he compares it to entrepreneurship. You know, he calls us music entrepreneurs because, you know, in this modern music business, that's essentially what any and all of us are, you know, an individual band or an artist is much like that of a startup company. And, you know, the beauty of the startup world is oftentimes that there's outside funding. I don't know exactly what that process looks like. I'm imagining it's very competitive, just as it is if you're a young band or young artist that's in the developmental stages, eventually your, you know, investors end up being record label or, you know, some other form of financing. But just as you hear about companies, you know, startups that look like they're doing great and then all of a sudden everything implodes because they couldn't make ends meet financially, it happens for bands as well. You know, you get bands that 
get a little bit of a start, they get going, and they haven't planned out where they're going to be able to, yeah, afford to fund themselves while they're on a tour, in between tours, you know, when they're on their sixth tour, still eating dirt like many of us did for so long. If you got, you know, if you don't have a way to fund it, i.e. a day job or something else that's going to, you know, allow you to have that buffer, uh, yeah, you're doomed. Yeah, well said, my friend. <laughs> And um, that concludes part two of our three-part series called Advice from the Industry. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened thus far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Oloop. And that's all I got for this one, Blasco. Yeah, thanks everybody. Peace. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. The people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.